0: It's truly my pleasure to introduce you to my friend, David Bayer. And I can really think of no one better to lead us through a conversation around where consciousness, mindset, and limiting beliefs are holding us back in the context of our global need to do bigger and better things. As a naturopathic doctor and anthropologist, I optimize the health and performance of badass women working to change the world as entrepreneurs and go-getters, you know, people exactly like you. Your business, body, balance, and inner badass. These are the themes we are exploring. Dr. Shamala Kiru, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast. This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship mindset and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. Are you okay with spending hours researching treatment plans and never achieving your business and impact goals? If you had effective and proven strategies for supporting you in practice that gave you back time and more clinical confidence, how would that make you feel? The Confident Clinician Club was created for clinicians like you, clinicians who wanted a trusted database of the most up-to-date knowledge, patient resources, and protocols that can be immediately implemented into patient care. The Confident Clinician saves you time while ensuring your patients get the best that integrative medicine has to offer. Our membership of over 550 integrative clinicians have access to our sophisticated portal with a growing database of webinars, templates, protocols, letters, and more. Live training, advanced training programs, and fellowship opportunities make this the most impactful clinical investment you can make in your career right now. With a 94% membership renewal rate, The Confident Clinician is paving the way for clinicians like you to focus on what really matters, your business. The doors are open January 17th through 31st. You can learn more at confidentclinicianclub.com.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, you are coming back, which is really exciting. And uh, we had a, we had a conversation a number of weeks ago around communication in high performance relationships. And I invited you back because right now we are all facing something totally unprecedented, uh, which is an unlimited amount of quality time with the people we love, which maybe was a dream for many of us, uh, eight weeks ago. And now with the advent of uh, COVID-19 and, um, the escalating efforts to contain that virus, we are all being asked to stay home. And what it's doing is it's putting a different onus and different pressure on relationships. And, And in particular for, um, for my audience, we're working, we're entrepreneurs, we are working. And, um, there are so many different pieces that we need to balance. And so I'm really excited to not only release this episode in a few weeks, but in particular, be able to have this conversation so we can add some value today. Shamila, can you start out by giving everyone a bit of a background as to who you are and why you're so uniquely qualified to talk about high performance relationships?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, by training by trade, I'm a registered couple and family therapist. Um, So I uh, work very specifically systemically with people. So I look at every individual uh, within their uh, couple and family context. So I look at them within the context of their relationships. Um, Also by training, I'm a registered psychotherapist. and I've been in practice for close to 20 years. So uh, my master's is in counseling, but my doctor's and I actually did it in couple couple and family therapy. So my training is highly systemic. So I've always been um, really, really interested in understanding how our, how our mindset and our communication style impacts our relationships, but then also the vice versa, how our relationships can really impact the quality of our life. Um, and so for me, I've been practicing for twice as long as I've actually been a mom and, you know, if you've If you've heard the first episode that I've done with Megan, I would have shared, and I'll often share that becoming a parent ten years ago is truly what transformed um, the way I approach my mission and the way I approach my delivery of care and has really uh, transformed my perspective, particularly for um, female, high-achieving, high-performing women that are really trying to juggle all of these multiple roles and identities. Um, And I have seen time and time again, uh, the correlation between our ability to really master our mindset, our ability to communicate assertively or communicate with confidence, and how that really does um, feed into our ability to navigate our relationships well. And when we're able to do that... Megan, I really do believe that it improves our quality of
0: life. David Bayer, welcome to the Anthropology Podcast.
2: Megan, thanks for having me.
0: I'm really excited for this conversation because I feel like so many of the people I've been working with lately, that it's not the model, it's not the mission, those are not the things getting in the way of their impact, it's the mindset piece and i frankly can't think of anyone better to bring to the table for that conversation before we go there david can you just give us a background on the journey that has brought you to this place and then some of the fabulous things that you're up to at the moment
2: yeah so uh geez when did my journey start maybe 2005 2006 i had started my third company and uh, my background was in building businesses online and i've been an entrepreneur since i was 21 years old which was over two decades ago and uh, a few years into growing that business uh, i i realized that my life had become unmanageable so in 2009 2010 um i acknowledged that i was struggling with drug abuse with alcohol abuse i started working on a 12 step program and i happened to be working with a therapist who spent a lot of time explaining to me how the addicted brain worked and um it, it was through a series of synchronicities that I got exposed to uh, personal development, to wisdom teachings, to uh, metaphysics. Um, I I became a seeker, really trying to figure out how to get through to sobriety. Um, I remember going to the bookstore uh, probably three or four months into... um, working on a 12 step program. And I was like, Hey, do you have a section of the bookstore where there's like books that can help you with your life? They were like, you mean the self-help section? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't know I had a name. And, uh, and I kid you not, I walked, I walked up to the second floor of the Barnes and Noble and I went into the section section. And then, uh, there on the floor was the book Think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. So I grabbed it and I read it. And, um, and then my, my my journey started, and it was probably around 2014 uh, that I felt like i had hit the personal development ceiling. Like I had consumed the books, I had gone to the events, um, I was really committed to ending my own personal suffering. I had really come to believe that the brain was this incredible goal-achieving technology and that um, what I thought really was reflected in the experiences of my life. Uh, Carol and I, my wife, had gone to India. Uh, We had done the meditation on the Red Rocks in Sedona. Uh, we, 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 We really went all out, but there was still this inner discomfort. And so, you know, a lot of the inspiration for the work that we do in the world today was to um, support ourselves in going beyond the personal development ceiling, like going beyond self-awareness. I think a lot of people out there, a lot of entrepreneurs out there, they understand how powerful the mind is. They're even aware of the fact that they have limiting beliefs and patterns of thinking that are holding them back. But there's this fundamental question that I think the personal development space is evolving into and answering, which is, okay, but how do I actually change my thinking? How do I use my mind to begin to prune out neural networks that represent patterns of thinking that are impacting the way I view the world and that are dictating who I am that don't serve me well. And how do I build new parts of my brain, you know, through these mental technologies that allow me to be congruent with the vision that I have for my life so that I can create more and so that I can, you know, ultimately be a happy person. So that was my story. And, um, and then at one point in time, Carol, Said, you know, you really should go out and 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 teach this to other people because I'm seeing how much it's impacting you, and I'm seeing when you're having conversations with your friends, you're like coaching them, and I was like, I'm not a coach, I don't know, I'm an internet marketer, I'm a I'm a digital entrepreneur, but as you know, things evolved really quickly over the last three or four years, and and now she and I um, are focused on um, helping as many people and their personal suffering as possible, so that we can you know collectively create the 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 future of the world that I think we all we all share.
0: That's it. That's all you're doing.
2: That's it. That's it. That's all we're up to.
0: Oh, well, I thought we were going to have a good interview today.
2: Yeah. Sorry. That's all we got is uh, is how how to how to evolve yourself through uh, through utilizing your own mind
0: and end human suffering
2: and end all human suffering yeah which which really and we'll get into it is i think i think this next evolution of personal growth which is is well defined as utilizing the mind to rewire and reorganize the brain is the linchpin of the evolution of the entire human species and it comes at a very important time because we also see that the species in the process of self-extinction so like this is a really important conversation to be not only having but to give people the tools to actually you know change
0: what is some of the advice that you are giving couples right now With respect to the inordinate amount of time we're getting to spend together. And this isn't honeymoon time. This is high pressure time. So how, how does that, how does that play out in a relationship and what can we be aware of?
1: right right yeah great question and when we started our conversation today um you did this really great intro and you used the idea of you know we've got this excess amount of quality time together and i i've come to know you for quite some time and so i know what sarcasm is
0: is <laughs> <laughs> what what are we talking about you know?
1: um and i, I and so I, I caught that but i want to Use that as sort of a jumping board for the conversation around really um, what is needed, especially now to navigate these relationships well, and n- not only navigate them well, but to actually um, continue to be able to invest in these relationships, our primary relationships. And I think we have a real opportunity to do that, right? As you were saying, you know, we might have dreamt of having all of this time together, but right now it is not quality time. It is time that is filled with stress and pressure and uncertainty and unknown. And when we look at the couple system, it is actually strongest when each individual Is executing at their fullest potential, right? So when each individual partner is executing um, in a way where they have they really have a hold of their mindset, Megan, where they're really able to um, be responsive and not reactive, where they're really able to make uh, choices from an informed and self-regulated place, that is when uh, relationships are at their strongest. And we know this when each individual takes the time and does the work uh, to really strengthen their own mindset. And that's when we have these what we call quote-unquote power couples, right? These these couples that are really able to right. show up for one another and show up for their mission. And so, what's happening right now is that for every single person, our mindset is being threatened in a way that we have probably never experienced. And part of that is because we're all in this together, right? So, at a time where, let's say, you know, I might have been really struggling, I mean, my, uh, the hardest time of my life was when I was a new mom. You know, not everybody in my circle was struggling with that. So I had friends I could go to. I could go to my mom, right? Like I could go to these people and get support. The challenge that we're all facing is that everybody's under stress, right? Everybody's feeling that pressure. Everybody's feeling that overwhelm. And so it becomes that much harder for us to practice the really basic skills that allows us that allow each individual to sort of really catch hold of their mindset. And that begins to translate into the couple system real quick, real quick, right? That is why um, the highest time for infidelity, the highest time for uh, relationship breakdown is when you've got a newborn. Hmm. The reason being is because it's, it, both partners are under an incredible amount right. of stress that's what's happening right now. It's like, we've all got newborns, right? Like we're not sleeping properly. Everything is unknown. It's
0: all new. And you can't have infidelity because you can't you leave can't, your house. You can't leave your house.
1: <laughs> right? New problems. So new new
0: problems. New problems, right? And so
1: the conflict is really increased. And, you know, um, uh, I... Was, I received a news release from CTV News. I think it was yesterday and YRP reported that there is an over 22% increase in domestics since COVID. Wow. Right. So it's a serious issue. Right. And so we are certainly talking about, um, you know, difficulty communicating. We're talking about difficulty managing conflict. But there is, you know, an extreme to that as well. And so what we are seeing is a definite increase in the rise of uh, mental health. And what we're going to see, I believe, on the other side of COVID is a pandemic around mental health. Uh
2: In our work, we identify two states of being. We talk about being empowered. Powerful states of being, which are states of being like happiness, joy, calm, curiosity, connection, presence, compassion, empathy, uh, excitement, uh, and, and primal states of being, which would be states like uh, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, uh, boredom, uh, any form of fear, um, <clears throat> jealousy and so the the name of the game is to be operating from a, from powerful states of being as much as you can that those are states of being of the parasympathetic nervous system and when we're when we're in rest and and reconnection and recharging that's when we're connected to uh inspiration and creativity and flow states and an intelligence that is greater than ourselves uh and when we move into a primal state or, or sympathetic uh, expression of the nervous system we're really just operating with the Capacity of the mammalian reptilian ancestor that you know we emerged from, depending on you know what what wisdom teachings you adhere to. So, as entrepreneurs, we we get it backwards, right? We we want to produce the outcome so that we then can have permission to feel good enough, so that we can buy ourselves an experience of feeling like there's enough time, so that we can no longer exist in a fear of financial insecurity purity. Uh, but the, the truth is, is that if we can actually use the mind to eliminate those habitual patterns of thinking that we adopted very early on and those misunderstandings, the fear of not having enough or the fear of not being enough, um, then then we get to be happy. And we get to be happy without the, the, the manifestation of the experience. But the irony is, is that the way that the brain works is you begin to achieve those things. You start to create financial abundance for yourself. You be, become a greater impact in the world. You find the relationship of your dreams, um, so so yeah. I mean, the 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 point of all of this is to live in your joy and live in your calm and live in your peace and have what we would call powerful living experience. Um, and the good news is is that when you learn how to do that, you actually get to have it all.
0: Can we can we back up and talk about some of those those self regulatory pieces that are just so critical right now?
1: Yeah, we need to back up and talk about that because, yeah. in my opinion. We can't can't talk about relationship strategies. They will all Uh fall flat, whether it's parenting Uh or whether it's around intimacy, unless we talk about the mindset piece, right? And so um, I did a a couple of different lives earlier today. And one of the most one of the consistent messages that I have been sharing with all of my audiences is that I've always believed that we need to take radical responsibility for our own happiness that hasn't changed for me. Um, The intensity with which I believe that and the uh, urgency with which I am coaching people to do that uh, has increased. We we have no choice right now but to take radical responsibility for our mindset, each Mm -hmm. and every one of us. Mm Because if we don't do that, Megan, we can't be there for our kids. We can't um, negotiate and navigate our relationships with our partners. And we certainly can't show up in our like with our professional selves. Right. And so now more than ever, it is so important, guys, like. Um, you know, pre-COVID, you know, if it was sort of like a nice to do, like to practice self-care and to, you know, be super aware of your negative thoughts and to, you know, um, take a walk and, and, you know, all, if those were all nice to do's, um, the I think the game has changed in that sense. The rules of the game haven't changed, but the importance of the game has changed. Right. These are now non-negotiables for all of us. We absolutely have to be accessing every tool in our self-care mindset toolbox right now.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's such. It's such. Uh, well, I mean, it's such timely advice. And I agree with you around the imperative pieces. There are things right now that you can't let slide. Uh, and we know, I mean, we're also seeing statistics around alcohol consumption. We're seeing the the reality is, is there are, are such better adaptive mechanisms to be able to handle the stress. But the, the challenge is, is because the stress is so big, if we don't have those mechanisms in place beforehand, then now is nece- not necessarily the easiest time for people to start to make that that switch. What I do find is sometimes easy for people is if we can quickly switch the paradigm with which they are viewing the problem. And I know you traditionally have really great advice around the management of anxiety. Like how do we, how do we start to break it down and put it into a framework so that we can assess what we can can control and can't control? Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I actually think it's just such a, a brilliant, quick triage mechanism to move people out mm-hmm. of that reactivity.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's, it's, um, and, and you and I have chatted quite a bit uh, over the last little bit, and I'm going to share a strategy in just a moment, but I always need to give context. The, the strategy I'm about to share with you guys is not COVID specific. It is not pandemic specific. It is a tried and true strategy that we, uh, can implement and should implement at every stage, at every developmental stage. I use this with children in my practice. I use this with my own child. I use this with myself. Um, it is, it is just, it's a life skill as far as I'm concerned in terms of how you can, uh, really take stock of your fears, your anxieties and your worries. Okay? Uh, because fears, anxieties, and worries are all simply driven by your thoughts. That's all they are. They're just a reaction to your thoughts or an emotional, visceral reaction to the thoughts that you're having. And one of the, the simplest ways, it's not easy. I, I should preface it. It's not easy. It's going to take work and you're not going to feel like doing it most moments, but it is quite simple. You're simply going to grab, um, like you're going to grab... Little clipboard. You're going to grab a pen. I always liked. I'm just going to show you... I always like to just draw two columns on my page. Let's see if I can do that. I don't know if you can see probably can't see. I just cut my page in half. Okay. And on the left side of the page, what I will write down is I will write down all of the things. First of all, I'll identify the worry. So I'll start with I feel worried or I feel anxious because I think. And sometimes, you know, especially right now with uh, with worry, anxiety and fear, we might have 10 thoughts that drive One feeling. We might have 10 thoughts that leave us feeling worried. So you're going to write those down, right? And then what you're going to begin to do is you're going to identify what you can control about those specific thoughts on the left hand side. And then on the right hand side of your page, you're going to write down all of the things that you cannot control. Okay. And I'm going to give you a little hint. to help you navigate this exercise well, and you might want to jot this down if you've got your phone or paper pen with you. The only two things we can control are our thoughts and our actions.
0: Stop and say that again. I'm going to say, I was, (laughs) we know each other too
1: well. I know. I like to repeat myself (laughs) when it's super important. Yeah, this is important. The only two things that and this is every single person on the planet, the only two things we can control are our, what we think and what we do. It's, it's that small, that list, right? When you're generating the list of options, you need to be creative right now because crisis requires creativity to move through. You need to be creative with your options. It's not going to be the options that you had four weeks ago right you need to be creative with what your options are for what you can control but you can control what you think right Mm -hmm. simple not easy and you can control what you do simple not easy right and then you're going to go to the right hand side and then you're going to write down all of those things that none of us can control and guess what guys we're all in the same boat on that list that list like we all share that list we there's tons of stuff we can't control And there's tons of stuff being thrown at us constantly reminding us of all the things we can't control. You're going to write that list down because you're going to take it out of your head. Because when you take it out of your head and put it on paper, you interrupt the cognitive pattern of ruminating, which is what drives anxiety. Ruminating is, is turning over a thought that you're not going to action again and again and again in your head and going nowhere with it like a hamster on a wheel, and you're going to write all those things down. And the, the thoughts or the, the ideas on the right are all the things that you need to move towards acceptance on. Right? There's a lot right now that every single person needs to move towards acceptance on. And that is going to be your number one critical strategy for managing your anxieties and your worries and your overwhelm right now. And you can you can do this as an adult. You can do this with your children in a really simple way, right? You can brainstorm this with your children mm-hmm. and help them to really identify at a very young age and equip them with this critical skill in terms of emotional intelligence, in terms of identifying the difference between the things we can control and the things we can't. The things we can control are what we need to action. Right. And that's what's going to give us some momentum right now.
0: Right. Yeah. And you know what, I've been doing this triage with my kids uh, for the last week. And Mm. I think what you what you see is is Um, kids are always such a litmus test and it's so obvious with with kids. Um, It's just the the variety of how people are processing information right now. Some people are leaning in, some people are paralyzed, some people, Mm -hmm. everyone's in different circumstances in terms of how this particular situation is derailing the plans in in terms of how they were moving forward. Um, But even in my own own kids, their worries are entirely different. One is around Mm -hmm. hanging out with her best friend. One is worried every day that we are going to die of the virus she's four
1: and, and these are the two camps that people are sitting in meg like these are literally the yeah. two camps what you just named right with your girls are the the two camps that humanity is sitting in mm-hmm. some of us are worried about the virus killing us mm-hmm. right or someone we love yeah and some of us are worried about all the other stuff yes
0: yeah. sorry go no yeah. i was gonna say and i have three kids so we right. have like a whole other pool <laughs> and there's a whole other right yeah um, yeah. but I, I think it's, I think it's worthwhile having that conversation. And I think, uh, I'd love your perspective on this, but I also found when I, when I would start to talk to my husband about it, just being really open, what are your primary concerns right now? And he said to me mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and he never asks me if I'm stressed. I think he doesn't want to know. Um, mm-hmm. but he said to me that he's like, are you stressed right now? And I, and I gave him my honest answer in terms of where I was at, but I so appreciated him asking me. And giving me the space to just share how mm-hmm. I was feeling mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a key thing with these relationships yeah. right now. is just being like, what space do you need? What is, right. what is your, what's your stress in this right. proximate right. uh, moment? It made it, it made a huge difference for me just being asked.
1: Of course, of course. And, you know, like I go back to the stage, you know, of having a newborn, right? I go back to that only because it's it's one of the few times uh, within a couple's life that they are experiencing almost, not exactly, but almost the exact same levels of stress around the exact same thing. Right, it's it's. There's such a there's such a. Parallel Meaning the two process. people are experiencing the two people stress, within yeah. the relationship. It's, right, it's one of the very few times that 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 happens for a couple. Right, mm-hmm. and you bring up such an important point because what often happens, what often gets in the way at that time, is people are so damn afraid mm-hmm. of asking each other, "Are you okay?" because we're afraid that our partner's going to go no I'm not like yeah. I'm 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 losing my marbles right now I cannot hold it together. Yeah. Right? We're so afraid of what that other person is going to say that we often don't make space to hear it because we're afraid we won't know what to do with it. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Right? Like one of the biggest sources of stress, conflict, um, one of the biggest things we see in uh couples therapy is couples fighting about money. Uh-huh. It's it's one of the top things that couples fight about it's money. And everyone is feeling the financial strain right now. Right? Uh-huh. And simply asking your your spouse, your partner that question, like, How are you doing with this? Like, are are, are you worried about our finances? Uh-huh. Most of us don't want to know the answer to that. Right. Because it triggers our own, our own stuff, uh-huh. and then what do we do with their stuff? Yeah, right. So this is the the, the dangerous territory of not talking.
0: But can we truly? Can we truly have it all? Or Are there limitations on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we we can have everything that we want, especially when the wanting is coming from an authentic place, and it's not coming from a place of trying to um, j- justify. Uh, An unreality that we're experiencing. You know, if if you're trying to create success in, in order to combat the feeling of not being good enough, um, then it, it may be hard to attain that. If you're wanting to achieve financial security from what we would call a, a false belief that somehow you don't have enough, or you may not have enough, or that you may you know go without. Um, which has never happened in your life. You've always had enough and you have enough right now and you will always have enough. So if you're, if you're trying to create in order to combat those limiting beliefs or, or, or those unrealities, then, then you may not create those things. But if you can, you know, if you, if, you, if you begin to adopt a perspective that, you know, life is this really incredible intelligent design that both within our bodies and as us and externally is constantly working for you know our greatest growth our greatest prosperity and our greatest evolution uh then you can have whatever you want and your desires will come from a place of security they won't come from a place of insecurity or a place of ego so the long answer to the short question is yeah we 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 can have all that we want um as long as it those desires come from a, a powerful state of being
0: and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy once we engage and it in engage in behavior and and mindset patterns and changes in beliefs that enable us to stay in that state even longer. Yeah,
2: it's it's really interesting. I mean, we know this from behavioral psychology. We we teach a concept called the five primary drivers, but it's basically behavioral psychology modified that that your beliefs, which are established at a very early age. Uh, as we begin to give meaning to the experiences of our life, or as we adopt the meaning that our parents gave to the experience of life or 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 other students uh, who we commingle with in education, like we develop these core belief systems. Like if you want to do it right, you have to do it on your own, or money is hard to make, or um, in order to have everything you want in your life, you have to sacrifice, or there's not enough time, or whatever it is. Like there's, you know, almost an infinite number of patterns of thinking that become part of our core belief system. And now as adults, on a moment-by-moment basis, we can only have thoughts that are correlated with those, those core beliefs. So, you know, if you believe there's not enough time, you're all, always going to have pressure-producing thoughts because your, your beliefs, your, your thoughts are an extension of your core beliefs. And then you experience those thoughts as feelings. So, you, your beliefs produce your thoughts, your thoughts, you experience as feelings. Those feelings motivate or demotivate action or activity, and the action and activity produce Results and then those results reinforce the core belief, and so this is referred to as like a psychocybernetic loop. You called it a self-fulfilling prophecy. We would say the brain is a goal-achieving machine because it, those core beliefs not only affect the way that you think, but they affect your perception of reality. They they drive your unconscious behavior. So, for example, if you believe that you know you're you're not worth it. And uh, and and are not worth the prices you justify for the service that you provide to the world. Um, You're unconsciously going to decide to sit next to someone at an event who's going to express an interest in working with you. And then as you have your enrollment conversation, they're going to go, well, I don't have the money to afford you. And so this this is the 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 science and psychology of how our beliefs begin to perpetuate themselves into the experiences of our lives. You know, if we if we, for example, find someone whose messaging isn't very good, we often find that they don't believe that their voice deserves to be heard. Um, and so, as entrepreneurs, we're always looking for a strategic solution. But you kind of look at the landscape and you go, but you got the same entrepreneurs implementing the same strategies. Why are a few entrepreneurs having success and if and, and most entrepreneurs not achieving the level of success? And and we would say it comes back to identifying these core beliefs that are then manifesting themselves into the experiences of your life.
0: And so how do we go from wanting to want that? to from this place of like okay great rather than than living in this fear state mindset of i don't have enough mm-hmm. or and let's say we're talking about money how do i how do i go from like truly feeling that way and then maybe even having experiences that reinforce that to authentically being in a mindset where i'm like money flows to me easily and freely like how do we make it not just a, an affirmation that we're saying but we truly move into that new belief state is it just a matter of like the reaccumulation of evidence or like because i think a lot of people legitimately are like no i like i i actually don't have enough money right now am i in denial is because de- i don't feel like denial is a powerful state of being
2: yeah so th- this is more long this is longer than the 20 minute conversation right and 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 it's what we try to cover even though I think we just scratched the tip of the iceberg at, at our three-day event and we go deeper over the course of a year. So the first thing is is it's a choice and more specifically it's a decision. So you you first have to understand the philosophy that we're talking about so that you can even give yourself permission to decide something different. You, you have to understand that the only reason why you aren't experiencing financial abundance is because you've been living from a fear of financial insecurity and the way that the brain works as a technology and the way that it interacts with the quantum reality is that's what you've been producing in your life and that the only reason why you believe that is because somebody probably in your family believed it and that you are a creative technology and that you can make a decision at any moment in time that to, to change and so, so that is one and then as you know we work people through a process of finding evidence that supports that new decision which is really activating dormant neural networks that store the memories of always been taken care of. I've always had as much as I needed. That doesn't mean that you may not want more, but you want to be creating more from a place of knowing that you've always had everything that you've ever needed. And so, you know, for someone who says they don't have enough right now, we would really want to evaluate that because language is so powerfully creative. Well, enough for what? Like you've always had enough. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. You didn't die. You've always had enough resources. You've always had enough food. For the most part, few people have You know, living without a home. And so you have to understand the philosophy, understand the technology, make a new decision, begin to find evidence for it and be careful of and question the language that you're using. Because if you're using language that's causing you to not feel good or move into a primal state, that's an indicator that your nervous system is telling you that what you're saying right now, what you're thinking right now is not accurate. And it requires deep inquiry. And that's why this is such a beautiful journey because this journey, whether it's from uh, financial insecurity to wealth prosperity, or whether it's from feeling like you're being alone for the rest of your life to being with your soulmate, or whether it's having a powerful message and feeling crappy about it because nobody hears it to becoming a thought leader, that whole journey is about coming to know thyself at a deeper level and removing any of the resistance that's there in the form of thinking and seeing the lies and the untruth that you've been telling yourself. While knowing that you can decide something new moving forward, because that's how the technology or the human being operating system works, activating memories from the past and then doing the work, because there we do see that there's like an echo effect. You got to keep in mind, like when you're changing the experiences of your life. The, what you're experiencing right now is based on the decisions and the beliefs that you've had historically. It's based on the current structure of your brain. So the moment you start making a new decision, like I know that soon I will find the man or woman of my dreams, and you see the unintelligence of all the good ones are already taken, you're probably going to go out on a date with somebody you get really excited about, and then it's not going to work out. Why? Because you're still in the process of pruning neural networks. It takes time to deactivate the old ones and it takes time to rebuild the new ones. Not a lot of time, but oftentimes people get lost in that shuffle. They're like, okay, I, I get it. And I'm a powerful creator and I understand how the technology works. and I understand the metaphysics of it. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to make a lot of money. And then they get really excited because they've got a couple of prospects that could actually fulfill on that. And those prospects fall through. And it's so easy to go back to the old beliefs because we're not aware of this transition period. So you have to hold, you have to hold the new decision through the transition period. You have to have faith. If you look at scripture, there's so many teachings around this, right? It's like in the midst of the chaos, you have to be calm and stick to the decision that you've made. And then the chaos will pass. One of the great, Uh, parables is when the apostles are on top of the ship and Jesus is sleeping down below and the storms whip up because the storms whip up in our lives when we decide to go on a new journey or we head for a new destination or we come up with a new belief or we make a new decision. And so the storms whip up and the apostles start freaking out and Jesus knows how it works. So he comes up on deck and he rebukes the winds. They calm down and he goes back to sleep right? And so we have to be willing to maintain our volition through the, 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 the dynamic changes that take place in our life when we decide that we want something else for ourselves. And all that. Th- so often we see people who get really excited, and this is why you can go to an event, get really excited, make some decisions or make some New Year's resolutions and nothing changes because while, while the changes are unfolding over time, you go back to your old limiting belief. See, I, I knew I knew I couldn't trust people. See, I, I knew that it was hard to make money.
0: Shemila, I've got some questions for you. Go for we it. We are going to switch gears a little bit uh-huh. into a portion of the interview that I call our KPIs, so key performance indicators. Just like we have them in our business, I believe we have them in how we live our life as well. So, can you hang tight? I got I've got some stuff coming your way. Yep. Let's do it. You're like, where else Let's, am I going to go?
1: Where where else am I going to go, Megan?
0: You can't leave right now. So <laughs> um, first question, what's the most impactful book you have ever read?
1: Mm, that I have ever read. That's a really tough question. I don't know that I could pick... Just one, but no you're one gonna can. make me. I know you will. So no rules. I've, I've been well. I've been down this road with you before. I think uh-huh. you a big one before. Um, one of the most impactful books that I've read recently, I'd have to say, is a Brené Brown book, which will probably be familiar to many people within your audience. Uh, Darren, greatly love it. Really, really love, uh, really love that book. Like I think every other line is underlined in
0: my copy. I still like hard copy books um, and that continues to have an impact on me. Love it. What's the most consistent thing you have going on for your health right now, given that we can't get outside and be part of our normal routine?
1: Mm hmm. Um, well, so these things were not consistent the first four to five days when I was in complete shock, but I have reintroduced a hydration,
0: nice.
1: like just like, just, just, just drink the yeah. water, just drink the water, yeah. uh, and movement. And and most days it is exercise in my basement. Um, and some days it's, you know, out in the backyard running around. We've got a new puppy. So it's those two things that I'm really trying to stick to because they, they do wonders for my mental health.
0: What's the most badass thing you have done in the last two weeks to combat your stress with respect to COVID? Ooh,
1: again, that mm-hmm. is... That is a good one. It's not business Um, like usual over here. No, it's totally not. And it's actually just not business like usual. Uh, I think one of the most impactful things I've done is slow down
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because I don't like to go slow. I move fast. I know that. I like about to you. move fast. Yeah, I don't like. It's so hard. Ask anybody that knows me. Um, is is slow down. I think that's probably the most impactful thing that I've done. Slow down, um, and in slowing down, really listen to what my heart is telling me through this time, and try to lean into what others are telling me during this time, and just looking for opportunities to serve.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that's pretty badass because it's it's not it's not everyone's intuitive nature right Mm -hmm. now. It requires a really strong and courageous intent to lean into that. What are you doing for fun or play? Outside, just getting outside as and sometimes it'll be like in between
1: these calls and any even if it's five minutes, I will get outside.
0: And finally, entrepreneurism. Are we born this way or do we learn to become entrepreneurs?
1: I believe we learn to become entrepreneurs when we go after our passion and our purpose really hard.
0: I love that answer. Dr. Tamala. where can we send people to learn more about the things you're up to? Uh, you can hang out with me on Instagram,
1: uh, dr.shamlakiru. I don't know, Megan, maybe you'll put that somewhere because that's a tough one to spell. Amazing. Um, and, uh, my private Facebook community, the EQ lab on Facebook is where I show up live every Thursday at 11
0: a.m., uh, to serve and support. I love it, Shemla. It's always a pleasure to have these conversations. You take this methodology where you're really helping people rewire their beliefs and their thinking and and the fulfillment on that and apply it to business. What does that look like?
2: So we have a structure that's before we even get into business called intelligent business design. And at the foundation of intelligent business design, it's your spiritual vision. And so it's, it's the change that you want to see and that you want to be in the world and ensuring that your business is a vehicle for that. Uh, that it's a vehicle for your becomingness. That we can look back on your life and see that there has been an intelligent design, often through the challenges of your life, that has helped you develop the skills. Maybe it's your innate gifts. It's your perception of the world that 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 justify you uniquely as the person who's going out and creating this. And then as we go from th- kind of thirty thousand feet to fifteen thousand feet, before we even get into business, we look at your life vision because. Uh, money, time, relationships, they're all forms of energy. And what's inherent in energy is energy is looking for uh, for creative expression. Uh, energy is looking to grow, to expand, to evolve. And so being clear on the life that you want, as well as your spiritual vision, which is the impact that you want, um, helps to um, provide provide a motivation for energy to flow through you. And a lot of people are so caught up in their business that they're not even clear on what type of life that they want 18 months from now, five years from now, 15 years from now. Um, so we, we start with some really foundational components that are in alignment from a metaphysical standpoint with, um, with, with creating, with creating an impact with, you know, attracting clients with, um, generating income. Um, And so once we get clear on that structure and there's five or six other pieces to it, then the first thing that we do is we look at what you believe about your journey of business. You know, what do you believe about what you're offering? What do you believe about your positioning in the marketplace? What do you believe about the goals that you've set financially? Because that's where we're going to start to identify the resistance. And then we clear the resistance out. And once we clear the resistance out, then we can start moving into the tactics and strategies of growing a business. And, you know, we, we teach fundamentals around that, right? Like, who's your client? How do you separate yourself in the marketplace? How are you structuring your offer? But, but we've got to remove the resistance first. So there's this, there are these foundations pieces that are really, really big picture. And then there's identifying the resistance that you have and utilizing the tech that we teach to remove the resistance. And then you get into strategies. And what you generally see in the marketplace is people just jumping into strategies. So they're, they're jumping into strategies. And if we were really honest about the motivation behind it, so many entrepreneurs are just trying to find a way to increase their cash flow because they're operating from a fear of financial insecurity. They're comparing themselves to other people. They're feeling like they're not as far along as they should be. They're wondering what's wrong with them. They're stuck on the entrepreneur's carousel going from strategy to strategy to strategy to strategy. And so we, we almost see ourselves as rescuers of those entrepreneurs that are stuck on the carousel. We're like, all right, come over here, get off for a minute. And let's start from the beginning. And the beauty of it is, is that if you start from the beginning and you actually get every piece in place, then I believe you're hundred percent guaranteed to create a successful business, make the impact that you want to make in the world, do it in a joyful way and achieve your full potential or destiny or dharma. And so that, that's exciting for us. And, you know, Carol and I spent several years stuck on the carousel. And I remember having dinner with her one night and going like, I don't know, maybe I should just go back to like, you know, building, building businesses that aren't in the transformational space. I was like, how could it be so damn hard to just help people? And I know that a lot of you know doctors experience that, too. A lot of functional and integrated naturopathic uh, practitioners. It's like, how could it be so hard to help people? And, you know, part of the answer is because you have a lot of resistance that you're not aware of that's preventing the natural unfolding of your business, which has inherent within it impact and growth and attraction and income, just like within the body inherent is health. You've got resistance that's that's mucking up the system.
0: What's the most impactful book you have ever read?
2: So there's two. Um, one is... Um, uh autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda so he was a saint that lived uh from the late uh, 1800s until about 1950 and it's his autobiography and his journey of of personal evolution and connecting with spirit and it's a, a beautiful combination of, of what we're, we're now, it was ahead of its time, what we're now understanding through science combined with Christian and Hindu tradition um, from someone who wasn't alive 1,500 years ago. So, it's a really powerful um, self-description of, of, of connection with, with spirit. Um, the other book is called The Power of Decision. It was written in the 1960s by a member of the New Thought Movement, Raymond Charles Barker. And when I actually saw in my own journey, that beliefs uh, were just decisions, and that if I gave myself permission to make a new decision about life, um, that my experience of life in that area of decision changed because that's how the brain works. Um, I did some research. I was like, holy cow, like is anybody else talking about the power of decision? And turns out uh Dr. Barker wrote this book in the 1960s, which we actually give to every person who joins our one year program. Year one, they get the power of decision, year two, they get autobiography of a yogi. Uh, and then year three, now we're giving them the surrender experiment. Cause I thought that was a phenomenal book as well.
0: Amazing. I knew you wouldn't be able to stick to just one. Yeah, sorry. That's okay, but I'm going to pigeonhole you again. What's the one thing you're most consistent with with respect to your health?
2: All right, I'll give you six things. No. Um, <laughs> you're
0: a terrible listener.
2: The one thing, well, it it changes. Um, I think the thing I've been most consistent with in regards to my health, uh, over the last year is using cold so cold showers ice baths um to reduce inflammation to um enhance circulation um to uh, train myself psychologically to be in the discomfort and surrender into it um and then this is a new experiment just so I can not do the one thing um which is about a month ago I went um vegan and that may change a little bit, but mostly plant-based. And so I'm really excited to just be moving into a predominantly plant-based diet, um, and uh, not only from a health standpoint and what uh, you know some of the science I've been looking at is saying around a predominantly plant-based diet, uh, but also just because it's in in alignment with the way I want to be interacting with species on the planet.
0: And I don't normally ask follow-up questions, but how are you feeling on the plant-based diet?
2: Yeah, so um, my exercise capacity has increased in an extraordinary way. After only five days on the plant-based diet, I went from my personal best record swimming in my lap pool, which was 10 laps to 20 and I could have kept going. Um, so like it was unbelievable. I, I I ran into the gym where Carol was working on. Like you're not going to believe this. Like I could have just kept swimming. Um, I've found that m- most of the and again the reason why I moved into plant based is because I'm also addressing some challenges. Um, so so everything I'm feeling is behind the challenges. Uh, but I've also noticed that my brain fog is gone. Um, and I've also noticed a a significantly greater amount of calm. Uh, and I've also noticed a reduction in just ordinary aches and pains in my body.
0: Yeah, it's so fascinating. And you know, naturopathically, and like really cool you're combining that with the with the cold. Greg and I have been experimenting with cold for the last few months and I love it. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? It's it's really, really powerful actually, and it reinforces that parasympathetic piece as well. So it's um yeah, I think it's just a really cool tool.
2: And the third one, just so I can keep cheating, is breath. Like, breath work is... I'm still trying to figure out why there aren't breath studios everywhere or why yoga studios aren't combining it with breath work. Um, But doing transformational breath work is is just another, you know, phenomenal thing to integrate, you know. And I always look at it as it's like... If I try to do everything daily and and regiment myself too strictly, I set myself up for failure. And so, if I just kind of pick a couple of things that I do almost every day, I tend to be very, you know, habitual about it. Uh, And so, several times a week, I'm, I'm doing one of several forms of transformational breath work and I just love it. Like I like uh, the fact that all of this stuff is available to us now. And now we're looking at at, at longevity possibility of living to 130, 140 years. Like, all, it's just the most exciting time to be alive. And it changes your entire perspective as an entrepreneur because a lot of people feel like they're not as far along as they should be, but they don't realize they're going to be around for another 80 years.
0: Totally. And, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking at the same time, all the examples that you're giving and, and everything we spoke about today, these are all accessible to everyone. This, this, the power of decision and, and, you know, jumping into cold and and eating predominantly plants. This isn't, this isn't reserved for privilege. This is, this is accessible to everyone. And that's what makes it so powerful. In my opinion,
2: I agree with you, except that it's not accessible to people who have uh, developed the habit of operating from a primal state. And that's why we go back to the same conversation, because if you're operating from a primal state, if you're operating from unintelligence, if you're entangled with the habitual patterns of thinking that are causing you to feel stressed, anxious and overwhelmed, then you won't you you quote unquote won't have the time to do this.
0: And okay. it's interesting because what that does is it actually changes the stratification of privilege, like privilege becomes those sure. people who are willing to go there in a mindset or not willing to go there. And it just completely alleviates the criteria of, of you know, socioeconomic stratification. It's it's. See, I told you we could do this all day.
2: Hashtag mindset is everything.
0: There you go. What is something totally badass about you that people would not otherwise know? One thing. One badass <sighs> thing.
1: Um, wow. Uh, the thing that comes to mind is that
2: uh, I, I still experience a significant amount of, I don't know if terror is the right word. Um, before I go on stage, but I do it anyway in front of thousands of people. That's awesome. That's well, I think that's badass.
0: Yeah, I think it is too. What do you do for fun or play?
2: Well, normally it's experimenting some other form of personal evolution. Uh, although Carol and I are now looking at taking dance lessons after, you know, we recently got married and we, we practiced our dance and we had so much fun with that. I'm thinking of adding dance into our fun play time.
0: Amazing. And last question for you, David. Entrepreneurism are we born this way, or do we learn to become entrepreneurs?
2: Well, what comes to mind is I think we get called. And like we could have a larger conversation about what's calling us or what what is the call actually. Um, but I think people, people, every single person has a Dharma and a destiny. And some of us, uh, that destiny intersects with creating an impact that requires a vehicle, which is business. And, uh, and some people answer the call. Some people don't. And some people don't get the call because, you know, not all of us need to be entrepreneurs.
0: I haven't heard that I mean, if everybody
2: needed to be an entrepreneur, I wouldn't have a team. So.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. Um, Always a pleasure, David. Thank you so much for being with us today. Can you share with everybody where they can go to learn more about what you are up to? Because I know we are going to have people who want to follow up.
2: Yeah, sure. So our um, our event details for the Powerful Living Experience are at PowerfulLivingExperience.com. Uh, and that's the once a year event that if you're listening to this now as this, um, episode comes out, uh, you're probably about a month away. So plenty of time to join us and, and spend three days sharpening your ax. Uh, and then, um, my site is davidbayer.com. It's a bear, like the aspirin with no, no relation. Um, and we have my free ebook download, which is mind hack. We've had almost 200,000 downloads of that book, Megan, in like the last two years now. That's I'm thinking amazing. I should publish it at some point, but uh, Mind Hack is is a is a really great detailed overview of what this conversation is, and a great entry point for people who want to go deeper into this work.
0: I love it, David. Thank you so much for being here today. Always a pleasure. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.